Support for this episode of YXE Underground comes from Elizabeth Lynn Jewelry. Elizabeth Lynn Jewelry is a Saskatoon-based jewelry company owned by Megan Hammond. You can check it out online at elizabethlynn.ca. The cultural piece was huge. I think I was struggling with my own identity back then. Of I was always the soccer basketball player and that's what I identified with for so long. I was now transitioning into thinking about career and you know, everybody expected me to kind of go to the Holy Cross and coach the, you know, all the programs and be the phys ed teacher. And I knew that's not exactly what I was looking for. So I felt a lot of pressure. And the moment I experienced the culture, it was a huge wake up call for me of this is what I've been missing. And it, it was a lot of growth and learning for me for, and still continues to be. Welcome to episode two of YXE Underground, an original podcast focusing on people in Saskatoon who are making an impact in their communities but are flying under the radar. My name is Eric Anderson. It's a real pleasure meeting people who are making a difference in the lives of kids. And on this episode, we'll meet two women who are doing so in Saskatoon. Sarah Friesen works at the Elvin Buckwell Child Development Program as a registered psychologist and spends her days playing with toys for educational reasons. Sarah is helping so many families in Saskatoon, and I think you'll really find her work fascinating. And the voice you heard off the top belongs to Jacqueline Lavelle, a high school teacher at Oskayak High School here in Saskatoon and an assistant coach with the University of Saskatchewan women's basketball team. The work Jackie does with her students and community will inspire you. So let's get things started. When I was trying to find guests for YXE Underground this past summer, one of the first people I emailed was Lisa Tomitis. Lisa is the head coach of the U of S women's basketball team and one of the smartest and nicest people you will ever meet. When I worked at CBC, I was always looking for excuses to talk with her because she's just so darn good. I told Lisa about the podcast and asked if she knew of anyone who would make a good guest. Her response was Jacqueline Lavelle. And I was so happy that she introduced me to Jackie. Jackie teaches at Oskayak High School. It's part of the Greater Saskatoon Catholic School Division and is in Saskatoon's Broadway neighborhood. Oskayak has a large Indigenous student population, and I love the mission of the school. It states, The purpose of education at Oskayak High School is to provide a safe, stable environment that enables students to experience academic success and personal healing. This is encouraged by maintaining balance in all aspects of life, mind, body, emotion, and spirit. Jackie fits so well in this school because, as you're about to hear, it fits not only with her values but with her culture as well. We met for coffee in late June at Moseo, a cozy coffee shop on Broadway, and I started by asking how she would describe Oskayak. Um, you know, somebody actually just described Oskayak the other day as having its own spirit and how when you walk in the doors, you feel it instantly. Um, it's like a family. Everyone who, the students who come there always make reference to it being a family. Um, complete place of non-judgment and acceptance and just it's just ridiculously welcoming. And, you know, having that culture infused with education and um, I think it's a place of healing first. And a lot of students come to us for that reason. And then when they're ready, you know, then education just 
they have they experience a lot of success, but a lot of times they need to heal before they can have that success. I'll get to the healing part in a second, but you you described the spirit when when you first started because you've been there for thirteen years, right? What, what was what was that spirit like? like how how would you describe it? Um, I think you know what I went there for a powwow one day before I actually was teaching there. And I knew the moment I set foot in that building that I wanted to teach in that building. How did you know? I have no idea. It's just a feeling. I, I, think, I think for me, the cultural piece was huge. I think I was struggling with my own identity back then. Of I was always the soccer basketball player, and that's what I identified with for so long. I was now transitioning into thinking about career. And, you know, everybody expected me to kind of go to the Holy Cross and coach the you know, all the programs and be the phys ed teacher and I knew that's not exactly what I was looking for so I felt a lot of pressure and the moment I experienced the culture it was a huge wake-up call for me of this is what I've been missing and it, it was a lot of growth and learning for me for, and still continues to be. What, what were some of the things that you you learned right away in, in terms of, of your own growth and, and, and the culture part? Um, well I'm a Métis from, uh, my father's from the Leoville area, and I think for a lot of my life I knew that I was Métis, but I didn't know what that meant. And so for me it was, you know, like I knew our family gatherings always had the fiddle out, and you know, my aunties and uncles can jig like nobody else I've seen, and um, you know, there's a lot more to it than that, but I think it was something I was always seeking out and wondering more about, and when I went to university I went through the SunTEP program, and so that brought some of that to my life. And then, yeah, I think just that whole worldview and understanding, what re I really connected with. And, I, yeah, I just knew I was meant to be there. That, that's, that's very interesting. Um, you, uh, you talked about that the, the students, when they come, they, they feel that spirit, there's that sense of community, but there's healing that needs to be done first. Um, what, what do you mean by that? Um, well, I guess it's not for every student in that sense, but, you know, we see a lot of students are, that are homeless and who are couch surfing going from place to place to place and they don't have a stable place to stay. So we have our social worker who connects with that. We have some students that are involved in the justice system and have, have never had somebody support them through that. Um, we have some struggling with addictions. We have young moms who are trying to raise children and we have a, di a daycare. Um, we have quite, I mean a lot of our youth are coming to us having not, you know, having had a chance to experience culture and so they're coming to us and learning that for the first time and recognizing that's a part of who they are and finding that identity and strength and the confidence and um, so just a wide range of you know issues we have a we have our nurse who's there a couple times a week we also just recently um, have a doctor who comes Fridays and so our students can make appointments because a lot of them haven't had very positive experiences with the healthcare system. And so to be able to stay in our building and have access to a doctor there is a huge, you know, eliminates a big barrier for a lot of them. It sounds like a very warm and, and, and a safe place for students. Yeah, for sure it is. Um, we're, you know, we're on a first name basis with teachers. Everybody kind of knows everybody. It's small, so you do really get to know the whole student population. And yeah, it's just, it's so unique. It's one of those things you can't really put into words unless you're there to experience it. Why is the, uh, and not only for, for the students, but even for yourself too, why, why is the, the culture aspect, learning um, about culture, self-identity, why, why is that important? I think it's huge in terms of just self-worth. 
and building confidence and strength and you know a sense of knowing who you are makes you believe in what you can do in your future and you know becoming more focused on education as a result of that and where you can go in life and set goals and work to achieve them I think it all is interconnected for sure. Now, you, you came recommended to me by um, your, your colleague and friend, Lisa Tomitis, from the U of S. And, and in the email that she sent me, she said that you've been doing so many great things with Indigenous youth and, and um, sports athletics. What, what, what are some of the things that you do at the school to, to get youth in, involved in, in sports? Uh, well, the most recent one that comes to mind is we had 30 of us participate in the Good Food Run that's put on by Sega and Shep. And so every year I run a running club at this time of year in Block 4. Um, we just get students out running a couple times a week. Uh, it's hit and miss in terms of how many participate and how many are consistent, but we always end up having that final run at the end, and we always end up with a really good turnout, and it's tons of fun. Staff and students both get involved, so I think for students to see their teachers in that kind of environment, away from the classroom, and you know maybe seeing some teachers who wouldn't normally be active, I think it's huge for them as you know to be see that and participate with them and have a different type of relationship based on that. How does how does it feel when you, when you see them cross the finish line? <laughs> you know what? It's a it's a lot of fun. Like I I just feel so proud of them when I see them cross that line, and it's something that a lot of them never would have thought of doing otherwise, and some of them never believed that they could do it. Um, and you can see that they're proud of themselves. Like you can see it on their face, even though they're tired and they're hurting, and <laughs> you can tell that they're proud of what they just did. And yeah, you can't put that into words in terms of how that makes you feel as a teacher. It, it sounds like you you not only have ex- exceptional students, but you, but you have the the support system w- within within the school. How how important is that to know that you can you can do things like this and and have the support to to do what you want to do, especially when it comes to culture. Yeah, I think it's huge having the support, um, and we've always had a lot of support at our school, and you know, staff are pretty keen to get involved in things. And I, I find that you, everybody needs a little push and encouragement, you know, whether you're a youth or an adult. If it's something that you've never done before, um, every everybody needs that little bit of encouragement and um, confidence to do something different. Um, and yeah, I feel like we've always kind of been connected that way as a staff. You mentioned something earlier that I found interesting in terms of the. You, you went to Holy Cross High School, and you're very athletic, soccer and, and basketball. And then you 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 play U of S basketball, go to Europe, and you play your professional. And then you come back here, and there is that sort of expectation that you would go down a certain path. W- was it was it a bit scary to to maybe go against those expectations, or was it was it exciting? What what was what was that like? I know that that was a while ago, but what was that like for you? Uh, I, I struggled with it for quite a while to make that decision. Um, I, I think I just had a fear of disappointing, you know, my past previous teachers and the people in my life who, who really supported me throughout, you know, my athletics, but also through my education. And I, yeah, I think I just had a fear of disappointing them and not wanting to. Um, how how would you disappoint them though? That's. Because it sounds like you're doing amazing work. Um, I guess just because I felt like there was that pressure to take over a program and do the extra cur and have a phys ed, you know, all day. But for me, it was just too much to be in the, you know, when I think about being involved with Huskies too, if you were in a gym all day long for phys ed, plus coaching at the school, plus coaching at the university, it would just, I knew that that would be too much. 
So I like the balance here of, you know, I do the extra curb, but I'm not in the gym all day. I still get to teach in the classroom and teach other subjects. And, and then I get to go to Huskies and it's such a, you know, it's opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of the people I'm working with and the level that they're at. And I just really like that variety and I'm passionate about both and I love that I can do both. When you made the decision to, to come to Oskayak, what, what was what was reaction like from friends and family? Uh, I think a lot of people were surprised, but I think the people who really truly know me weren't. Um, they knew that that would be a passion and that's something I'd want to do. I mean, it, it was terrifying to make that decision, but I knew pretty quickly that that was the right decision. So when you're in the classroom, then what, what types of things are you teaching your students, in, not only in terms of subjects, but there's so much learning kind of between the lines that happen in a classroom. What, what are some of the things that you focus on? Um, I, you know, a, a huge focus for me is community. And I really try to integrate them into the community, whether it's in my entrepreneurship class or phys ed, um, to get out and meet people and be a part of programming that's out there and mentorships that are there. Um, I'm just huge on that for them to realize how welcoming people are and how much people genuinely want to see them succeed and help because I think that surprises them as opposed to feeling like maybe people are out to get them or judging them or you know so I really try to bridge those relationships because that's our school is really solely based on relationship number one. Is there uh, is there an example that you can think of in terms of, of, of a good relationship you've had with a, either a community organization or a business where you've seen students go in and just just excel just grow yeah all the time like our we have a good partnership with the YMCA and so you know initially when we go you can see how students are a little bit nervous and unsure and then you teach them how to use everything like confidence is such a barrier right if you go into a building you don't know how to access through the front desk you don't know how to use the equipment you don't know how to get into the change room with the code um, that's enough to deter some people from actually doing it so building up that confidence to eventually go on their own because the YMCA gives us a, we have a partnership where they give our students memberships. And so they can go on their own time. They can go after school, they can go weekends. And so that's the rewarding part for me is to see the students go on their own without me, without the class, that they're going on the weekends or after school with a buddy. And they, you know, start to get to know some of the people. You know, there's always Y, y regulars. So they start to get to know them and the people are so welcoming there and warm and love seeing our students there. Like they always say, we love Oskayak kids, we love having them here. So for me, that makes me super proud and yeah. You're right about the regulars too, because there are some good Y regulars down there. Um, this is, uh, this might be a, a bigger question, but how have you seen the, the community um, change and, and Fingers crossed, hopefully for the better, but in the, in the last 13 years in terms of getting your students out there and, and just be more maybe open or welcoming to Indigenous culture? Um, I think being in Broadway is perfect because, you know, the Broadway area, I think people are generally quite accepting and open and um, you start to see more people coming to our ceremony. We have a powwow every year and then we have our feasts and round dance and you start to see more community taking part in that. But the entrepreneurship class is a huge one because I find mentors from the area in business um, to work with my students one-on-one -on -one. and I think that's a real eye-opener for both sides and to see those relationships develop sometimes it leads to future employment for some of them sometimes it's just a support person um, but I think that's a big one for them feeling a part of this community because our school is just kind of like plopped here in the middle of right and our kids are coming from all over they're not coming from this area and so that's the cool thing for me is to 
have them build a relationship with somebody in the community. It, do you ever have time to to look back on on the last decade and a little bit of your teaching career just to see not only how you've grown as a professional, but you you talked about like your your Métis culture and, and discovering that. Do you ever take time to reflect in terms of how you've grown? Um, yeah, for sure. I just think about how lucky I am. Like I'm really grateful that I can do two things that I'm so passionate about. Like I always think like, what if I hated my jobs? And I know there's people out there who don't like their job. And I just think, wow, like that has gotten me through so much in my life. The fact that I love to go to my work every single day when I wake up, I love going to school. I love going to basketball. And I just feel super fortunate that that's the case. Um, and definitely I'm always growing. It makes me emotional to think about like, you know, where I started and where I am today and just thinking about all the past students and players and yeah I, I'm I just feel really really grateful do you stay in touch with a lot of not only students but like you said past players as well yeah for sure definitely both yeah and you see them all around like yeah you know we some players move back home from where they came from or elsewhere but we have a pretty strong group of alumni that are around Saskatoon and that keep in or who are away and keep in touch and then in terms of students like you run into them all over the place and it's so fun when you run into somebody and they run and get, you know you give you a big hug and <laughs> say hi and what they're doing now and you can just see how proud some of them are for where they are at and how long will you uh, it, will you stay at Oskag? Would you like to stay there forever, or <laughs> as you smile? I wish I had control over it. Um, every year, I'm really nervous that I could get transferred. Um, I would love to stay here as long as I feel passionate about it. I mean, I always say if I get to that day where I become that grumpy teacher who you can tell is miserable, <laughs> I hope somebody says to me, it's time to quit teaching. Um, but I, I absolutely love it. Like, I can't even imagine being anywhere else. This has been a real pleasure speaking with you, Jacqueline. Thank you so much, and, um, and, and congrats on, on all that you do. Thank you very much. My thanks to Jacqueline Lavelle for her time, and best of luck to her, not only in the school year, but with the Huskies as well. If you want to see pictures of Jackie and read more about our conversation, head on over to the website, yxeunderground.com. You can also find pictures on our Facebook page, on Twitter at yxeunderground, and on Instagram at yxeunderground. I'm Eric Anderson, and thank you so much for listening. You know, when I decided I would do this podcast, the very first person that popped into my mind to interview was Sarah Friesen. I met Sarah through some charity work here in Saskatoon, and when she told me about her job, I was fascinated. Sarah works as a registered psychologist with the Alvin Buckwald Child Development Program through the Saskatchewan Health Authority. You'll hear more about what she does in a minute, but what I really like about Sarah is she helps children who need help when it comes to communicating. She gives them the tools to express themselves, which in turn helps their families here in Saskatoon. I think that's really important. Sarah and I met in her office, and I started our conversation by asking what exactly her role is in the child development program. 
So as a registered psychologist, I work with a team and I do assessment, diagnosis, and treatment for children with developmental disabilities. Okay, so when children and, and families come to you, what, what does that process look like? How do you begin the relationship with, uh, with kids and their families? Uh, well, it can come from a variety of places. Some kids, a uh, health professional has expressed some concern about their development, so they send them to us. Some families start here as babies coming out of the NICU, um, and some families notice themselves that there's things about their children that they have questions about and want some help. So how do you begin trying to figure out what those challenges are and then, and then to, to try and help them? Uh, well, it depends on the situation. It can vary significantly. Uh, often we work with a team, so we're rarely on our own in this job. So we'll often have a speech-language pathologist or an occupational therapist, a physiotherapist or a physician with us, or nursing or dietitian. Um, and we work together to see what the child's able to do and where they're struggling, and if we can either find an answer for why they're having those struggles, but also find ways that we can support them in the areas they need it. What would be an example of, uh, and I know you can't go into details, obviously, but um, uh, just a general example of, of maybe a, a challenge or a struggle that, a, that a, a kid might have, and then where do you go from there? Um, so a big part of our caseload right now are kids that have difficulties with language and communication and play skill development. Um, so often those kids come to us and somewhere somebody's asked a question about whether or not they might have an autism spectrum disorder. Uh, so we would work as a team to look at how they're playing, how they're communicating and how they're learning and see if that is in fact the best option or the best ex explanation for their challenges. So if uh, if a child is, is perhaps uh, there, there's a thinking that there might be autism there uh, is what's what's the mood of the of the family and, and the child when they when they come here because when you walk in the doors it's a it's a very warm and welcoming place but you know maybe they don't want to be here or something like that what, what what's their mood like uh, it really can vary. Often depends on where they are in that journey. So families that are brand new to us often are quite nervous because they it's not something that you hear a lot of people talk about or it's not something that um, you know, people really share their experiences about coming for therapy or coming for an assessment. So sometimes near the beginning, families are a bit more nervous, but quite often once they get to know their therapy team and once they've been here a little bit more and once they've seen their kids have fun in the building, they tend to relax a little bit. When you say fun, what do you do for fun? Um, well, one of the beauties of working in pediatrics is that we do everything through play. Um, we blow bubbles inside, we have gyms inside, we have bikes inside. Um, most of what we do with the kids is play-based, so we're able to get a lot of information about how kids are developing based on how they play with toys. So you can tell that just from playing toys? Yeah, we get a lot of information from the way kids play and we pick our toys in a very specific way. And for some of the older kids or for some more specific aspects of problem solving, we use standardized testing or um, other types of materials. But you really can learn a lot about a kid by the way they play. I'm just thinking of how I used to play with Transformers as a kid. And I wonder how you would assess me. But what, what's an example then of, of a toy that you would give someone and then how would you watch them? Um, so quite often we, you know, we'll take toys that have a variety of pieces and keep some of the pieces for ourselves to see how the children ask for more pieces. Uh, we'll, we try and find toys that the kids probably haven't played with before just to see how they interact with a new toy or how they solve the problem and then see how they get help with the toy. That's really interesting. Um, 
back to the, the, the family, when, when they come in, they might be a bit nervous. How, how do you, how do you go about establishing that trust? And does that take a long time, Sarah? Uh, Well, we're really lucky here because I think one of the groups that I didn't mention earlier, we also have a team of social workers. Um, So our families are hooked up with a social worker when they first come to the building. And our social workers act um, as support to the family through their whole journey. So in the beginning, that's really giving them a clear introduction of what our program has to offer and how they access it and what that might look like. Um, So they run a really great orientation program. So before a family would even come to see me, they would come and spend an afternoon here with our social workers learning about the building they get to go on a tour they get to see you know where the bathrooms are and where the change tables are and um, what else we can do to support them that way. How long have you been here for? Um, Well in 2007 I was here as a student for a placement and then during 2008 I worked part-time as an associate while I finished up grad school and then in 2009 I started as a full-time psychologist. Did you know like after your internship that you wanted to come back here? I did actually when I went into the my grad school program I wanted to work in schools. My parents are both teachers and I really had um, kind of a clearer picture of what my job might look like in a school so I really saw myself working as a high school counselor and then I came here for a placement and really fell in love with the early childhood part of the job. What was it um, about the early childhood that, that you just fell into? Uh, I think it's the toys. <laughs> um, I like the toys. Uh, I really, one of the things that about this site specifically was the team aspect. It's really nice to know that you're never really working alone and that you always have somebody with you. I I view this from the outside as, as at times it could be a really like emotionally heavy job. Is that a correct assessment? Or I, I know every job has good days and bad days, but can there be challenging days? Uh, yeah, there's definitely heavier days or times where you don't feel that you can do as much for a family that you'd want to do um, for a variety of reasons or times where things just hit you a little bit harder depending on how things are going. But again, that's one of the great parts about working in a team because you never experience that on your own. And even if you are on your own in the moment, you know that you're surrounded by people that have had similar experiences. I was just going to ask how how you deal with those harder days, but it sounds like you have a you have people to lean on. Yeah, we have a really great support system here. So we're very lucky to work um, not only in teams that are interdisciplinary or transdisciplinary, but also to have a larger department of psychologists. So there's five other psychologists down the hallway that if I ever have questions or if I need to chat something through, they're there. Is this something that you, you've always wanted to do? Like when, when you were in high school or even middle school, did you think, yeah, I, I want to help people in this way or... You're, you're smiling a little bit. No, not at all, actually. I, I actually wanted to do probably something more in arts. As a dancer growing up, I really was interested in journalism and writing. Um, but it just kind of didn't happen that way. So I really fell into this job and it kind of worked out really well. So I, I'm very lucky that way that I was kind of lost in undergrad and stumbled into this <laughs> thing that worked. So... Since you've started here full time, have have you seen like do you see more more kids, more families? Is the workload increasing, or has it been steady for a long time? Um, well, luckily my workload stays fairly steady, but I think our waitlist grow just the way Saskatoon grows. So, um, and I've also I think given the time that I've been here, I've been able to expand the type of services that I offer and the type of teams that I'm on. So I even though I've been here a long time, things have shifted over the time that I've been here. When you say uh, 
the the expansion of of your role what what are some things that maybe you've you've kind of grown a a, a bit um so not a lot of psychologists work in areas like feeding therapy or alternative communication, but given that we do a lot of teamwork here and that's a big part of the kids with developmental disabilities, um, I've been able to kind of grow my practice in those areas as well. What's alternative communication when you say that? Um, so alternative communication, we call it AAC or alternative and augmentative communication. So those are kids who, for and could be adults as well, who for a variety of reasons can't rely on verbal communication. So we augment or provide an alternative way to communicate. So that can be anything from using pictures or real items to make choices to using high-tech devices. Is that something that we just take for granted in terms of the ability just to say what's on our mind? Yeah, definitely. Like a, a lot of the kids that we work with, you just know there's so much more that they want to tell you and you can see that. And they often have these parents who can read them so well, but then we want to broaden the people that they can communicate with. So we have to supplement so that people that don't know them so well can understand what they want to say. That's really interesting. I, I was just thinking, um, when I was four, I went into speech therapy for about two or three years, and I remember my mom telling me she she could always understand what I was saying, but it, it wasn't maybe the best because I was always relying on her, and, and I guess that, that still happens, doesn't it? Yeah, and our goal for our kids is to always make them as independent as possible, um, and communication is a huge gateway to independence. So if you can tell somebody what you need and you can tell somebody you need help, you can do a lot more on your own. When you see a breakthrough with it with a kid what what does what's that feeling like for you um hmm I don't know I don't know I hope I don't take it for granted now that you asked that but um it feels pretty great when you can um help a child ask for something that they want or I know I had one kiddo that we got connected with a device and he was able to say um I love you mom and dad for the first time and that was like a pretty amazing moment for everyone so to be able to be present for that and to have helped a family get to that place was pretty big how long do you think you'll like is this is this a lifetime thing <laughs> that's a big question I know um, I don't know. It's hard because every once in a while I, you stop and think like, what else would I do? And I can't really see myself doing anything else. So for now, I don't have any plans to change just because um, there's nothing else I would want to do. I'm really lucky to come to work and like what I do and be surrounded by amazing people when I do it and feel really supported that way. So yeah, and I, I just think too, um, like, I, I honestly think you, you make and your team make a tangible difference in these families' lives and these kids' lives. And like that, that has to be such a good feeling. Yeah, it is great. And it's, it's, it's a really neat feeling to know that other people are as committed to doing that work as you are. So you just know that when you have an idea that you're going to find five other people that are like, yeah, that's great. We should do it. Let's run with it. Let's find a way to make it work. Sarah Friesen works at the Alvin Buckwell Child Development Program here in Saskatoon and is a really kind person. I should also mention that she loves podcasts and actually has a podcast club with some of her friends here in Saskatoon. Sarah might have been wearing a custom-made podcast t-shirt during this interview. My thanks to Sarah for her time.
This has been episode two of YXC Underground. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Eric Anderson. I host and produce the show. And if you know of someone doing something great here in our community who is flying under the radar, please let me know. You can send me an email, ericandersonyxe at gmail.com. You can also find this podcast on Facebook, at Twitter, or on Twitter, I should say on Twitter, at YXE Underground, and on Instagram, again, at YXE Underground. And there you will see pictures of guests taken by my friend and Saskatoon photographer, Janelle Wallace. Janelle is awesome to work with. She takes amazing photographs, and uh, you should definitely check her work out. So, Janelle, thank you so much for all your hard work. And all the music you've heard on this episode comes from the talented mind of one Andrew Dixon. Andrew is a Saskatoon musician who now calls L.A. home, and he's also my cousin. So, Andrew, thank you so much for all the great original music, and you can find him on Instagram at Mr. Mocha. I also want to thank David Hutton and CBC Saskatoon for allowing me to record my voice in their studios. And a special thank you to my wife, Jennifer, and my dog, Fred, for simply being the best. This episode of YXE Underground received financial support from Elizabeth Lynn Jewelry. Elizabeth Lynn Jewelry belongs to one of the hardest working entrepreneurs in Saskatoon, one Megan Hammond. Megan has been a friend of mine for many years, and she makes jewelry that is sold across the world, and now famous people like Jess Moskaluk are wearing her designs. So a big thank you to Megan for her support of this episode, and be sure to check her out on Instagram at Elizabeth Lynn Jewelry. Megan also has a son named Asher, who is really, really cute and loves to try and destroy my Star Wars Lego when he comes over to visit. And before I go, I would like to acknowledge that these interviews were recorded on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional home of the Métis. My name is Eric Anderson. This has been Episode 2 of YXE Underground. You can find more episodes online at yxeunderground.com or on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever else you find your podcasts. YXE Underground is a production of Sultammer Production Company. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk soon, Saskatoon.